Get ready for a joyride ahead. It's green, it's good, and it's full of surprises as we welcome Asha Walker, founder of Health in the Hood, who helps Miami grow urban gardens. Like a sparrow building shelter with branches for its young. My mother built a nest with love for her little ones. My grandfather told her, doesn't matter what you have. The only thing you need for life is each other's helping hands. Never the emptiness, my mother always says. Spread your wings and fly, you can always come back to rest. Never the emptiness, my mother always says. Everybody and welcome to Never the Empty Nest. I'm Vanessa. I'm Jackie. And I'm Nicole. Welcome back. Today we have an amazing guest named Asha Walker who uh, runs this fabulous organization called Health in the Hood, which essentially brings healthy food to everyone. The idea is that everyone, that it's accessible to everyone through, um, she'll tell us how the, the organization works in a little bit, but it's pretty fabulous local food programs and she's Miami based. So we're Woo-hoo! really happy. And yeah, so guys, how has everybody's day been to start out? I mean, I'll just say that the new thing since the last time is that I now have a corgi, <gasps> which is fabulous. That's huge. The woman who would never get a dog, who didn't care for dogs, is now the dog owner. Obsessed with her dog. She was literally like, "I'm. we're not getting a dog because I just, I, don't, I can't. I'm, no, we're not getting a dog. And I'm like, yeah, right. Yeah, well, he sleeps with us. So, you know, whatever. Yeah. That's Things change. huge. That's a new family member. <laughs> yes. I know. The nest is growing every day, every day. So how about you guys, mom? What about you? Well, I um, I have a new uh, layer of activity. I'm taking Mamang. Mamang is my 90-year-old mother who is doing very well physically and um, mentally. She actually has baseline dementia, which in a way is great because she sort of is going into another world right now that is a happier place than she was before. And so, but now she's going to physical therapy. So I got this physical therapy place that I went to, it went very well. And acupuncture. So she does acupuncture, physical therapy. And she says, that's such a great gymnasium. (laughs) (laughs) This is good. This is a really like up uplifting since the last time because she was like but yeah the professors in the gymnasium i'm using her words by the way Uh, can you tell she never worked out the professors at the gym the professors in the gymnasium are very serious (laughs) about what they do and very nice and and so she's going twice a week because i i mean she could go three times but i can't i mean this breaks my day in half too much so uh so it's monday wednesday so she said today when are we coming back to the gymnasium and i said (laughs) okay you're coming back on monday (laughs) 
I oh love my it. God, it's awesome. <laughs> yes, her orange theory. We're so like gymnasium today. So yeah, you, because you were, today is, is all about health. It's all about we're health. We're starting in the mood. It's so yeah. funny how that all worked out. We're tracking right on course. Yep. I was going to say that I'm crazy sore. My legs are on fire and I can't like, like it hurts to sit down because I did this like 30 minute intense leg thing yesterday on Peloton after a 30 minute power walk and so this morning i was like oh my god the best oh my god the good kind of pain yeah 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 i mean it's just i hadn't done like a boot campy thing in a while i had just done like treadmill cardio stuff for a while and now i'm like wow i woo yeah one forgets feeling it i one forgets one forgets what about you asha how are you doing today i'm doing great it's the middle of the week and i have my rituals that i sort of come back to that always kind of keep me grounded so my days are are pretty standard it's it's self-care in the morning work and meetings all afternoon and if i can squeeze in some creative stuff in the afternoon and get a meal in that is a good day and probably all those things will happen today so it's a good wednesday around here oh that's great when they all happen it's it's not an everyday thing yeah totally so can you tell us a little bit about health in the hood and how it started and what you guys do because i know there's um multiple aspects to the project so i give it over to you yeah well i'm just so excited to be here this is just such you all are such a beautiful family and this to know there's another chapter of the generation is just a gift so i'm so excited to <laughs> to be here and get to share some of our story and meet your audience so thank you for having me um so health in the hood is uh we're a local nonprofit. And our mission is equal food access for all. And we do that through urban farming and wellness programs. So health education, nutrition and fitness programs. Um, But really our urban farms are at the core of everything that we do. So we go into what's called a food desert. You really can identify them as they're typically low income neighborhoods and the USDA defines them as being more than a mile away from a grocery store. So instead of a Publix or a Trader Joe's with a produce section, you've really got more like the bodegas and I call them like glorified gas stations. So right. everything is shelf stable. Everything yeah. is chock full of preservatives mm-hmm. um, and you can't get a head of lettuce for a mile or more. So these communities are, you know, expect seeing what you would expect, chronic diseases, um, you know, generational cycles of of growing up on these foods, taste buds being being cut, sort of programmed for it and and not being able to break this cycle. And so we just thought there's all this vacant land. There's not enough green vegetables. Why don't we just grow some food and started that mission? Really, we'll probably talk about it later. My dad started the mission, oh my God, like probably 30 years ago. I did my bat mitzvah community service project in an urban farm. So it was always like a side family uh, project that we had having urban farms. And so really built off that idea and and Health in the Hood was born. So this idea of going into neighborhoods, transforming vacant lots, hiring residents in the neighborhood to maintain the farms, and then distributing produce for free. And we've been doing that since 2013, and then really making it a comprehensive experience by creating those wellness programs to not only just provide the food, but to teach people why is a cucumber great for your health, and really making it a, a tangible and accessible and fun experience for, for families. This that is, is so, so amazing, amazing yeah. and so yeah. important. Thank you. Wow. We'll definitely talk about your dad in a little bit, but I know you had a question, Mom, about like selecting 
Thank you, Asha. I think this is so exciting um, because it puts food in such a different perspective. Mm -hmm. I'm 66 years old, and I was uh, fortunate to have been born in a house where, you know, vegetables and that kind of food was normal. But through, I, 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 thinking about today, I was thinking that, you know, in in my at least my generation you know vegetables were yuck and um oh you have to eat your vegetables and 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 your fruit and it was in in an optic that was gross mm -hmm. yeah that's what pe children thought that they right. were mm -hmm. gross right. yeah. okay mm -hmm. and then they had yeah. to put all that cheese and all that yeah it was like a punishment so, it's like a punishment right you have so to so the stuff. fact that you're doing this with with this vision right that it's uh that what you're eating is so good for you and it's mm -hmm. good how, how do you decide where to go next when's the next neighborhood uh mm -hmm. how did you make those decisions at the beginning and how do you make them now yeah so well and i, I hope we get to talk more about just, just what you were saying about vegetables bad junk food good like it's all marketing and it's only gotten yeah. worse mm -hmm. so so you know in other countries you're not allowed it's literally illegal to market junk food to kids but in america we're like it's a free-for-all cocoa puffs for everybody but how we select the neighborhoods really is a, a pretty simple formula it's it's if you're more than a mile away from a grocery store and the Good news, bad news is that there, just in South Florida, there are over 326 food deserts. We're only wow. in nine of them. So we've got these beautiful nine large-scale urban farms that are feeding anywhere between 50 and 100 families, depending on their size. Wow. And we do a large-scale food distribution program, too, in response to COVID. But, you know, for us, it's it's a matter of, of you know, capacity because the, the, the need is there. Miami is no different than... Every other city in the country, these food deserts are, you know, I've, I've heard them referred to as hidden hungry, mm. that we think of poverty as mm -hmm. you know, not having access to food. But this is a different issue. This is not having access to nutrients. This is not having right, access right. to nutritious food. So, so sadly, there is, you know, it's very easy for us to find neighborhoods to work in. We've got a long list of community partners and churches and schools that all want us to come build farms. And we are all budget uh, allocated. And so every project has to be funded. So for us, it's really just picking where the funding takes us. But there is no lack of, of schools that or churches or community centers or plots of land that, that are available and, um, you know, could very easily be transformed into, into food forests. Amazing. That's yeah. our goal, food desert to food forest. How do you get the funding? Like, how does that work? Who who does the funding? Who, how does all that um, Well, my background um, is in running, um, I ran a federally funded program, an AmeriCorps program, so got really comfortable with writing grants and managing grants and budgeting and um, so really kind of took those skills and applied them um, uh, to when I started my own. I started Health in the Hood. Um, and so we're, we're about 40 40 um, and 20%. So 40% foundation don uh, um, funded. So applying for grants from the Miami Foundation, um, uh, the Health Foundation of South Florida, uh, private family foundations. And then uh, the other 40% is individual donors. So we have an incredible network of small to um, large gift donors. And then that last percentage, which is getting a little bit bigger and bigger, is that last 20% are of corporate partnerships. So we've been really fortunate to work with some incredible companies like Ford and Denny's and World Central Kitchen and Triscuit and Sweetgreen that that kind of fill that that other part of the the budget gaps. But like I said, for us, it's like it's always a capacity issue. We could always be building more mm -hmm. because the need is the need is is pretty outstanding. Do you do you work with volunteers as well? Oh my gosh, yes. Our volunteers are 
critical to the mission. So we hire residents in, in each neighborhood. So just um, anybody who is in the neighborhood lives nearby and has a cell phone that we can communicate with, you get a job. Amazing. Um, so we're providing jobs for our garden managers, right? We're training folks and our garden managers have been with us for some 10 years some of, since the very beginning. But then for all of the heavy lifting, building farms from scratch, big replanting days, we heavily rely on our volunteers and we, we go through we get to have you know anywhere between 500 to 1000 volunteers a year um and with our growth that we're having now we have lots of new programs and so um right now we've got three volunteer days um on average per week that that folks are able to come out either to help us with our drive through pantry or um or in the gardens so volunteers are just critical. For instance, those volunteers, do you have young people coming in from other neighborhoods to help oh, yes. you and from mm -hmm. other areas I, or schools? Do you do you Yeah. Yeah, and, and one of the beautiful things about farming and urban farming is is it's this beautiful equalizer. Food is this great equalizer. Urban farming is an equalizer. So there is this beautiful convergent, convergence that happens when, you know, it doesn't matter what community you're from. You, we have people who come from, you know, design district and people who are coming from Liberty City and everybody's together with their hands in the soil. It, it's, it's uh, we're, we're all one. So it's this really beautiful, um, very uniting process to to garden together. That that's beautiful. My 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 real question is now. <laughs> you were talking, and I think it's so important. You know, it, food is so beautiful. We have such a sick society, and the relationship with food. What I see from the little that I know is, you know, how how you're presenting not only the need for nutrients, but but how beautiful and great eating this kind of bounty is. Can you tell us about how you do that? That's such a great question because it's one of the most beautiful pieces of the work, and and it's this it's this innate sense of pride and empowerment that that happens when you grow your own food, mm -hmm. and when you're talking about a, a marginalized community that. Um, you know, we take an asset-based approach to a neighborhood. So we look at a piece of land that has mattresses and crime and drugs in it, and we're like, yep, I want that. Whereas mm -hmm. most people look at it as a deficit. So we're going in and, and we're beautifying communities. We're, we're, we're providing um, a sustainable, valuable resource. So I love telling kids, see this patch of arugula here? Or these huge bushes of arugula. I'm like, do you know how much I pay for that at Whole Foods? That is a hundred dollars right there in front of you. I say, yeah. you know, people tell you money doesn't grow on trees. They lied to you. It grows right <laughs> in your backyard. <laughs> and so we're we're cultivating these young farmers and these these young kids that you know for us our audience is mostly you know moms and families and um, and elementary and middle age middle school age kids and it's this just immediate click. I planted that green bean. I want to eat that green bean. So there's this very natural, empowering, powerful process that happens when when we grow our own food, especially for kids. Yeah, I mean. What I've been thinking about is I'm. We've lived in a lot of different neighborhoods, and I remember being in in Washington Heights, which is not a food desert because there's mm -hmm. a supermarket. But you could get a pack of cookies or crackers for twenty five cents in the bodega, and so the kids would in the bodega mm -hmm. down the street. So yeah. this part yeah. of the the nutrition education and the like, this is you know you may, it's right here. You know, it's in the yeah. garden. Yeah, um, so important. And like the other day, I was. Um, 
at uh, at a supermarket with my with my son, and I saw this kid. She was actually a French kid or Canadian. I don't know. She was speaking French to her parents, and she was eating a cucumber, just like like uh-huh. eating a cucumber. I was like, Love oh my god, it. I want my kid to eat a cucumber <laughs> like that. And I was like, well, this is my job. I'm going to buy cucumbers and put them in the fridge, <laughs> right? And he did it the other day. Yeah. <laughs> they're 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 so malleable. It's yes. like you give them craft mac and cheese. They so yep. food companies literally they're is so much money and science put behind figuring out exactly what flavor profile will hit the receptors in your brain so that when you're little your pupils will literally dilate and you are hooked for life so if yeah. a kid never tastes mac and cheese crap mac and cheese they're never going to want it so it's really yeah. it's it's what we give them and and they're such sponges so the yeah. more we can nurture them the better um, can you tell us since we're we're obviously very nest oriented on this nest podcast yeah. and we talk about, you know, how the that little mini nest affects the bigger one. And you had spoken about your dad and, and the inspiration and him being the the original, the the OG and I loved yeah. that. I wanna talk <laughs> have you talk about that. He is my my dad is uh, he's Dr. Marvin Dunn. He's a historian of Black history in South Florida and and um, um, very well respected. Uh, was the head of the psychology department at FIU for was he years. a teacher, a high school teacher? I have to interrupt you. You, I'm sure if you're from Miami, you know my father. He started oh the academy for God. community education. He- Wait till I tell Vita. He was my professor in high school. Was it high school or college? Probably oh, FIU probably. college. Yeah. Oh, I can't believe it. <laughs> oh he was well, great i'll have to send you a copy of his book he's oh, still working oh he still works on that back porch he's still writing oh and- <laughs> my goodness let's get the book what is it called this is fabulous i congratulate you Mom, because you have such that. a great dad <laughs> i'm you. sorry i'm no, so no, excited no. right now i, I am just it. beyond excited i'm gonna stop right now zoom uh, done. i want to get his name again and the book name so that not only we but the people listening can get it I'm cracking up. I'm, thank you so much, Jackie. No, it's um, his name's Dr. Marvin Dunn, and uh, his book is Black Miami, and then his second book is The Beast in Florida. So Black Miami is, is specific to uh, Miami, and The Beast in Florida talks about um, uh, black violence across the state of Florida. So they are they're 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 fa- they're, they're phenomenal books. They're they're ones that we should they're they're they are what should be in every school. So. But that's my dad. He is—he's the OG. If you're from Florida or Miami, you probably know know about him. Um, but one of our family side projects, we would get a—he would write a City of Miami grant. We would get, I think it was like fifty thousand dollars a year to run a plot of land owned by the City of Opal, uh, City of Overtown, wow. City of Miami, an Overtown lot, and we would just plant, you know, uh, lots of collard greens, lots of callaloo, and would work on creating these sort of. Um, uh, local food ecosystems, so we would sell it to restaurants and get the money back to the community, and and we did that for almost ten years. Wow! Just as a, a kind of a side family, you know, labor of love project. And and then when it was really time for me to figure out my next career path, it was work for another nonprofit or or build off of what I know and what I love and what I'm passionate about. And so it was kind of a kind of a no brainer. But my dad is the definitely the OG and and the inspiration and the idea. He was a migrant uh, farmer, migrant worker as a kid growing up. He would go up and down the state of Florida picking oranges. So it is uh, in in my in my DNA to wow. serve communities and to grow food. What an amazing thing to to instill in you from such an early stage too. I need to like up my parenting game here. I'm like, wow, that is um, <laughs> that is really amazing. I know, damn, I was proud of I'm myself like, for buying a cucumber. <laughs> 
<laughs> Let's go ride a horse. <laughs> no, absolute, absolute nonsense. Thank you. I will tell them you said that. No, I'm fit to be that. tied. I can't get over my excitement. I just texted my friend. Remember? Yeah. Now they're texting. They're having a whole side conversation over here. Amazing. It. He was so calm and collected yeah. Yeah. cool calm yeah. and collected oh my God. so yeah. not Professor us so, so not cuban <laughs> and I, I, fun, fun fact my mother is uh jewish so i am blue my father's black and my mother is white and jewish so i'm blue so I, i'm like somewhere in the middle like I'm, I'm my high strong neurotic jewish side and then i'm also my dad's chill og side i'm a little bit in the middle the best <laughs> kind of like my the kids best too. of both worlds yeah, yeah. um and so, I mean, and from all of these years working in these, um, in, in with Health in the Hood, and even before, is there, are there any moments that are stand out that you think, you know, this is why I do this, or any like specific stories that stand out throughout the years? I'm sure there's a million, like, um, like, um, like two million. It's yeah. just, and yeah. and what's crazy is that you know I get kind of like laser focused on the next grant, the next grant report, the next corporate partnership, the next board meeting. Like I'm very on our strategic planning, our national expansion. So I live in, in, you know, in that ether most of the time and the days of the week that I get to be on site, if I'm in the gardens or I'm at our food distribution site, it is just, it just comes back. So it's, 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 it's overwhelming the type of impact and the type of ripple effect and the type of hope that our programs create. So, so it's really endless. I think the, the, the one kind of poignant piece that gets me every time is, is this, this consistency that every time you bring a kid to one of our farms and, it's a harvest day. There is the exact same sort of physiological response. It's this just intuitive thing that every kid does when they pull a plant out of the ground, it immediately goes up over their head. They raise it up <laughs> over their head and they're like, I did this, whether they planted it or not, like they picked it, it is mine. Like it is the coolest thing I've ever seen. So to, just to, to know that we are a part of that shift and that connection over and over and over so many times a day, every time a carrot is ready, every time a green bean flowers, there are these reactions happening all over um, South Florida and, and we're expanding and hoping to, to keep that impact going. But but it's it's just knowing that we're part of so many trajectories and you know we, we have families that have, the, have been coming to our food distribution uh, drive-through pantry for two years now, who we now know and we are one of the most reliable sources of food for them. And we just get you know mothers crying that they're just so grateful that that they can rely on us for, for fresh groceries twice a week that we're just you know, so it's almost sometimes like I have to talk to my therapist. I'm like, I can't really. I'm an empath. It's almost like too much. Oh my to, god, sorry. Yeah. You know, I'm like, oh my gosh, I know we're doing this amazing stuff. My oh my gosh, it's yeah, my heart's gonna explode. So it feels oh. really, really good. Feels really, really good. But it's yeah. always like there's so much more to do. Yeah, yeah. Nikki, you have a question. I have one, but you, you can. You look like you were. No, it ready. just popped into my brain because I'm watching um, this documentary called Lead Me Home on Netflix about the homeless problem in LA, but obviously it's a huge problem in most cities and Miami too. But like, I wonder, like, is, there, is that something you do or think about doing or can that be done for homeless communities? How is that? So we serve, well, so we work with Lotus House, we work with Camilla's House. So, okay. so, we, so one piece I left out is, is, um, our community partnerships are everything. So mm -hmm. it's great. We come in, we build a garden, but we could not do that without the community centers, the churches, the schools, the homeless shelters, the right. WICs, the, all of the incredible agencies that we work with, you know? And so, so yes, but 
it's hard serving the homeless yeah. population. I to, to 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 really be transparent, it's yeah. it's it's a different sort of yeah. clientele, and yeah. so you know so it happens certainly organically, and sometimes when we can set up those programs with the with the homeless shelters that we work with, it works really well there. Um, but our gardens are are open. They're they're deliberately not fenced in, mm-hmm. so they are community mm-hmm. property. And I think one of the interesting things is that you know while we don't specifically serve the homeless population, we certainly have you know part of, we have some people that come through the drive through pantry that are walk ups that we know are homeless that that rely on us for food. So we certainly still touch them. Okay. But what's really beautiful is that our gardens we have really. I mean, almost no vandalization or theft. I mean, a few wow, collard green heads amazing. over the years have gone missing, but you know, people really we we build our roots in the community, and so you know, there's there's this uh, internal security that happens that way. So amazing. So there is there is buy-in. Yeah. How how um do you do? You... Okay, Berta remembers. He says, well, "Yes, why?" <laughs> <laughs> She remembers everything they're, and everyone. She, yeah, she can they're, they're tell best you friends. Anecdote, my mom, she's talking about her best friend since we, like we they were in elementary school. So, wow. Yeah, um, they're yeah they're having a whole thing. They continue <laughs> to have this entire thing on the on the text. I love it. I know. My dad will love it. You're you're talking about national like, national growth and national expansion now. So how is that gonna work? Or how are you? Well, how are you envisioning it? How is it? I'm assuming it's already in process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, part of our strategic plan, we're going into our this is our ninth year. So by year 10, our plans were to be um, expanding into into other cities, other communities outside of South Florida. My background was running an AmeriCorps program, this federal model that was in about 25 cities. So I sort of have that in my professional DNA of wanting to have a model that, that you can replicate. Uh, create a handbook for and and sort of franchise, if you will, with, for nonprofits, so minus the, the buy-in, but to you know spread out and web out into other communities. And so our board is uh, super engaged. We have an incredible strategic planning committee, um, and we are narrowing down our top choices of cities. Um, again, no dearth of places to go. We're really trying to think mm-hmm. about right now is um, so right now Chicago is our is our is our definite. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got some amazing partners in Chicago, including the Obama Foundation. So we're going to be doing oh, some amazing. mobile satellite programs with them in Chicago on the South Side, um, and then thinking you know beyond that, our next two cities. Uh, really thinking about are we looking at continuing with our sort of compact city model where we're, where we're hitting dense populations that are food insecure or are we going to look at a model where we're looking at a more rural area where people are more spread out but food desert nonetheless so mm-hmm. looking at how we how we really can you know kind of combine our models or, or expand our models and, and what direction we want to really grow in but we are we are coming to america <laughs> yeah i love it that's awesome. Come to LA. Really awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's in LA right now. Um, we're all from Miami, but we do this across the country through this Amazing. little podcast is a is a net across the country. Amazing. Um, this is my little uh, Sesame Street writer inside, but I'm like, what? I want to know what our favorite vegetables are. <laughs> <laughs> what are your favorite vegetables? What is your favorite vegetable? Yeah. Well, that's my favorite topic. I could talk about vegetables all day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you can go first. Yeah. Oh, well, I, uh, top of mind, I do love a good roasted parsnip. Mm. Love a roasted parsnip. And I'm really into roasted carrots right now and raw carrots. Raw carrots are really great um, for flushing excess estrogen out of your liver. Mm. So men have estrogen, women have estrogen, more specifically for women. So lots of stuff that excess estrogen can cause. So 
raw carrots every couple of days is a great way to keep your liver flush. That's good. That's top. I mean, carrots are on the top of my list too. Also, beets. Beets are mm-hmm. a yums. Oh, Vana turned orange when she was little because she ate so many <laughs> carrots. And I took her. I mean, I didn't make the connection in my head, right? So she just loved carrots. And I gave her carrots because she loved them. And so I take her and I make an appointment. I say, Jaime, look. Jaime's the pediatrician, <laughs> Dr. Edelstein. <laughs> She's orange. I, I was so worried. He says, "How many carrots are you feeding this child?" <laughs> we are what we eat. That's yeah. such a good story. That's that's telling kids. Mom turned orange. You know, that's the other part of food that is medicinal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's something that we don't teach. Yeah. That we don't mm-hmm. talk about really in in the general sense. Uh, so that's uh, that's a real treasure. It's a big paradigm shift, mm-hmm. especially for for future generations, the, the ones that you are impacting now. So this is really really exciting. And yes, my friend remembers everything. Marvin Dunn. She remembers yeah. everything. All right, <laughs> he's, a, he's a memorable it. guy. She remembers everyone. <laughs> it's your turn. Oh me. Um I love a lot of vegetables, I must say, but um You do. Speaking of beets, I had the I went to brunch <laughs> and I had the best beet salad and I literally wanted to go to the kitchen and be like, "What did you put in this thing?" It was like all different color beets and with this oh, like light mm-hmm. like a the light I want mm-hmm. I don't want to say creme fresh, but it was like some type of very delicious, I don't know, but no, oh my yeah. god. It was so good. I ate like two it was a buffet, so I just kept going back. My my yes. daughter my daughter was like, You really like the beets, mom. I'm like, Yeah. And not, no one else in my household likes beets. My husband hates them. Sorry. That's they're, a they're a lover, the beet lovers. Sure. Uh yeah, yeah. But I love cucumbers. I love um my daughter loves cucumbers, which is amazing, and asparagus and all that. So I, um, awesome. mm-hmm. it's really hard for me to say because I eat a lot of vegetables. And, but uh, yeah, cucumber, asparagus, and beets. I'm just going to say that. Today, actually, my son, was, we were driving, and the, the drive to school is, a, is long, but it's really beautiful. It's down Old Cutler. And mm-hmm. uh, he was like, hmm, how do trees talk to each other? He was just... <gasps> Yeah. <laughs> so you just have to, you know, they just have to be around to this yeah. stuff. And it all the questions come. It was really cute. Um all right, guys, you have you have Mom Mom has not spoken about her favorite vegetables. Oh, I'm sorry. Which one is that? I don't know. Or, uh, oh, oh, you have to tell us. Berenjena. <laughs> oh, eggplant. Egg I almost said eggplant. Eggplant. Mm, it's so delicious. Another thing my family doesn't eat only me. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I only buy it once in a while. <laughs> I don't think there's a vegetable that, that we don't like. Does They're it ever make your, your throat itch? Eggplant started to make my throat itch. I think really? I got an eggplant allergy. It's like uh, a thing. Maybe yeah, it's an allergy, it something it. in it. Yeah. But I love it, so I still eat it. And, and herbs, cilantro is my all-time favorite. And portobello mm. mushrooms. Yeah. And portobello mushrooms. I mean, really. Like Honestly, yeah. we're big veggies, as you can see. And, so. and and food is medicine. I mean, that's what we were saying, as Jackie oh said. My it's God, truly yeah. medicine. We are a society that that throws a pill at a problem uh-huh. instead of a potato, and it's just you know it's it's really a problem. And you teach your kids like uh, or not us specifically, but people like oh fill your belly, but you're not telling them like but what you eat matters because it gives you energy and it's fuel to this machine. This perfect machine needs good fuel. Actually, that's another another shift between 
you know, I've experienced it. I experience it often. One thing is to be full and the other one is to be satisfied. Mm -hmm. When you have a good meal, you feel satisfied. You're not hungry. Uh, you feel well when you get, you know, if you measure it. I, I knew this, this uh, old man and he would say, I'm full unto here or unto here, but never get to here <laughs> which is so not like we're cuban and that's so not what we were you know passed on from grandparents and that older generation of like you eat. can't leave the table until the plate is empty or eat 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 here's a second like my husband yeah. was in awe like in shock about to like vomit the first time he ate at my grandmother's house <laughs> and he's six six like he can eat but he yeah. was like he's american and he's not used to a Cuban old lady saying, what? You've barely eaten. He's like, oh my God, I just ate a pile of food she gave me. I can't eat anymore. And he like... I know, but that that all also has its own history of, yeah. of no. trauma. Of course, of trauma. Yes, I know. That, of, that's a more complicated conversation. The grandparents having gone through war yeah. and the civil like, war in Spain. Food. And, you know, yeah. let's, they, they just have their... Like, fill up because there might not be any tomorrow. There's all... <laughs> they yeah. have their reasons. Yeah. I, yeah. I know, I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. But Asha, is there anything we haven't asked you out of all these questions that we have asked you that you think, oh, I really want to say this? As if I, I needed to add one more thing to my plate, <laughs> I was sort of guided in my in my journey of building out this not-for-profit as we're expanding. Um, it was, I was really called to expand myself as well. And so in about two weeks, I am graduating from the Institute for Integrated Nutrition as a mm. certified holistic health coach. And I am so excited. It has just been the most transformative um, and, and just really um, confirming thing I've ever done. It's really sort of took all of our mission, my personal mission, my professional missions of equal food access and wellness for all, and kind of just like brought it into 3D is the best way to, to describe it. And so I'm just so excited to apply this just incredible breadth of, of knowledge and information that, that that the program shares with our Health in the Hood families and uh, launching my own coaching program. So we're really expanding our net, um, building a bigger audience and, and helping connect more people to wellness because I think it's truly a ripple effect. We're, we're so connected in our health and so disconnected from that concept. Um, and so I'm just so excited to have another way to, to, um, to connect us back to ourselves. Amazing. Congratulations. That's congrats. Hey, That's 100%. amazing. Thanks. Do you want to tell everyone now that we're we're wrapping up, but do you want to tell everyone where to go to find out more yes. about or yeah. they want, if they want to help it everywhere, it, all the all the websites and Instagrams and all the things? Well, we are in all the places. So yeah, we're pretty easy to find. So it's uh, all the handles are at health in the hood. And then my personal is at Asha Walker Wellness. Um, and then the health in the hood website is healthinthehood.org www.healthinthehood.org and uh, and there's all sorts of ways to get involved right on the website whether it's donations or volunteering or just sharing our story there's lots and lots of ways to get involved um so i hope to get to meet some of your audience and and get to meet some new new farmers amazing thank you thank you thank you for being with us this was such a great episode and so um fun. thank you for sharing and i salute you because it's a beautiful thing you're doing can thank we invite guys. marvin dunn <laughs> my 
Yes. <laughs> and his daughter again. Yes. Spotlight on Dr. Marvin Dunn. It's such please. a father-daughter one. I love yes, it. Yes, I love I it. I can't get over it. He will love it. You made my day. That's it. Until next time, everyone, on Never the Emptiness. Thank you so much. Thank you. All of your success, she says, all the great things I had. I'll be here when it's time to see you again. And if you fall, she says, if someone breaks your heart, I'll mend your wounds in this nest of ours till you're ready to depart.